Good to be with you guys. Great to see you all. Um, my name is Rob. For those of you that I don't know, I'm one of two teaching pastors here along with Lloyd Shadrach. And for the next two minutes, a little less than that now, I want to set up for you what's about to happen. This morning is going to be a unique service in the history of fellowship. You know, we have two campuses here at our Brentwood campus, and then we have another campus down in Franklin. What you may not know is our service times are identical. So two services start at the same times. So literally while I'm right here, Lloyd is standing on the stage at Franklin saying very similar things to what I'm saying now because what we're about to do is we're about to split the sermon. I'm going to teach the first half, and it's going to be live streamed on their screen. Then Lloyd's going to teach the second half, and you're going to see him live streamed on this screen praying technology works. Now, why are we doing that this week? And by the way, this is not the start of something new. You know, this is not going to be the new way we do church. Um, Why are we doing it this week? It will be clear before the morning is over, but I'll, I'll tease it this way. We have something exciting to share with you, and we wanted to all be together as one church to both talk about this. So um, in literally about 35 seconds, I'm going to be live at the Franklin campus. And so um, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'll I'll wait for the signal. And then when I get the signal, we'll say hi to Franklin. And I'm I'm going to ask you to turn around and wave. There's a camera right back there on that little soundstage area with the one with the red light is the one that's live. And we're we're going to wave to them. It's not going to feel that different to us, but to them, all of a sudden, we're going to be with them. And then when I step down this, off the stage after the first half of the message, Lloyd will be up, and it'll be our turn to watch him from Franklin. Cool, right? Okay, two, one. Ah, there's the victory symbol. They're on. Say hi to Franklin. Franklin campus. Great to see you guys. Great to be with you all. Great to worship together. This is so cool. By the way, kudos to our tech team, David Mills, Michael, all those guys that made this happen. And I, I think it's cool that you guys are clapping here at Brentwood because for all you know, I'm lying about this whole thing because it doesn't look any different to you. But I'm, I'm believing and trusting that you guys are seeing me down there at Franklin. Really good to be with you guys. All right, I got the thumbs up. Okay, so why are we doing this? Well, number one, we're starting a new series this morning called Generous God. And I can't wait to tell you more about that series. But, but, but here's the thing. We're going to be asking you over the next four or five Sundays to join not just this series, but to join something important in the history of our church, something special. And I'm going to talk about that in my part of the message. I'm going to set up the series a little bit. I'm going to talk about this opportunity we're going to have. And then I'm going to hand it over to Lloyd. And he's going to tell you more. And, and he's going to uh, really talk about how this theme of, of generous God has been a big part of the DNA of fellowship since the very beginning. Let's start, though, in Acts chapter 13, at the beginning of the church. Not not this church yet, but the church. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Let me give you some context while you're turning there. It's about AD 48. The church is 15 years old. It started, as you may know, in Jerusalem, and then persecution came. And so all those Jerusalem Christians were now scattered into other areas. And one of the most significant cities in the history of the early church is the city of Antioch. And so we're about to learn a little bit about Antioch in AD 48. That's where Christians were first called Christians in that city. So it's part of our story, too. This is also where Paul, who at this point was still referred to as Saul, was just beginning to serve Jesus. He was just beginning to teach and minister. And we'll pick it up in verse 1 of Acts chapter 13. 
Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. This is the living word of God for us today. It'd be hard to overstate how significant this moment is in the history of the church. This was the very first overseas mission in Christianity. Uh, Now, they had scattered because of persecution earlier, but this one was different. The Spirit had led them to send a group to go and preach and go and share the good news of Jesus, which was brand new in the world, 15 years old only, this church is. Now, I want to draw your attention to how the Holy Spirit was leading this church. There's a couple really interesting things I wonder if you caught. Number one, look back at verse two. It says, the Holy Spirit said... How did the Holy Spirit speak? You know, that, that make you curious at all? It made me curious, you know? Did they hear a voice? They were all worshiping together. They heard a voice, et cetera. Well, honestly, probably not. That would have been remarkable enough that the writer would have probably explicitly said that. Things like that happened in the early church. But, but in this context, more than likely, we're to lean on the clue of verse one when it says, in, uh, right here, in the church at Antioch were prophets, and teachers. So what's the role of the prophet? God speaks through the prophet. So when it says God said, who is speaking? God is speaking, but he's speaking through human beings. God's initiative, God's voice speaking through human agency. And then there's a, a very similar dynamic you see at work in verse three and four. Take another look. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Who is the they? Like they laid their hands on them and they sent them off the people of the church, the congregation. But listen to this, verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down, Seleucia from there sailed to Cyprus. So who sent? Who sent Saul and Barnabas, the the people or God? That's the point. God did the sending using the agency of human beings. And this is a principle The Spirit leads, people respond. And so God actually works through us. Now that's incredible. Like that's that's something we could really drill down to. Part of what it means that we serve a generous God is he's choosing to use us in the world. I think that's fascinating. And, And we'll say more about this as this series goes along. But here's the principle. The Spirit takes the initiative. Our job is to discern where the Spirit is leading and move with him according to his leadership. How do we do this? How do you do this as an individual? How do we do this as a corporate body? As you know, we're discerning God's leading here, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there's a powerful word image embedded right in the text, but unfortunately in English, we, we don't see it right away. In Greek, they would have seen it right away. The word for spirit in Greek, pneuma, silent P, 
P-N-E-U-M-A. The same word for wind is the same word for breath. They took that concept of the wind. Oh, oh, it's like the breath of God blowing. I feel the wind. I can't see it, but I can feel the wind. It's blowing a certain direction. So, oh, that's like the spirit. And so they use the same, the same word. So in English, we hear the Holy Spirit. In Greek, they would have heard the holy wind, the holy breath. So I want you to think of it this way. The wind of God blew Saul and Barnabas out of Antioch, down to Seleucia, which was a port city on the Mediterranean. They boarded a ship, and then the wind of God blew them out to sea. You know, can't you see this image? And he blew them to the island of Cyprus. Karen, I was thinking of you. Karen, Karen lived in Cyprus. I want you to picture yourself on a ship with sails. Now, I, I'm, I'm not a... I was going to say I'm not a salesman. <laughs> uh, sailor, Right. <laughs> Do I even need to explain more? I do not. But here's what I've learned from sailors. You can sail against the wind, but it's really difficult. You have to tack this way, tack that way. It takes forever. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. If you're the crew of a sailing ship, your job is to figure out the direction of the wind and trim the sails so that you work with the wind. You don't want to work against the wind. You want to work with the wind. Guys, this is just a great analogy for following God, for following the Spirit. Whether you're just trying to follow God in your own personal life and decisions that you're making, or maybe as a family or for your business, and for us as a church. Find out where God is moving. Find out where the Spirit is blowing. So, you know, look back a little bit and say, okay, where, where, where have I seen God at work in the last weeks or months or, or years of my life? And you can kind of, from that trajectory, say, oh, I feel like the wind's blowing this way. I'm going to join him this way. You see, that's how this works. And this would have been so much clearer to them. And, and, and that's why I love remembering that the wind and the breath and the Spirit, all the same word. By the way, that's also true in the Hebrew language as well. They mean the same thing. Now, let me apply this to fellowship. We're at a very interesting point in our church's history. Like People are starting to come back, begin gone for a year. I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I've had lots of conversations this morning, people that are back for the first time, or maybe last week you're back for the first time. What an opportunity. You know, we can keep doing the same things we've always done, and hey, maybe that's what the Spirit would lead us to do, or we can pause. We can say, where's God at work? Where's the wind blowing? Let's align our sails. Our elder team asked that question a couple months back. We had a chance to be on a one-day retreat together, and uh, we do this annually. And by the way, one of the things I love about the way this elder team leads, they, these men are very humble. I know many of you know some or all of them, and they, they're, I don't know that I've been around a group of more humble men. And, and so the, the way that this team leads is to ask this question, where are we seeing God at work? Let's pay attention to that. And let's get in step. So we were away for this one day a couple, a couple months ago, and we were talking about the last year. What a, what a year to, to lead a church, you know, to, to lead anything. What a year to lead anything. And we got to this question, you know, where, where are we seeing God at work? And we drew up on a big um, post-it board, you know, and put this all, stuck them to the walls all around this, this room that we were in. And, 
and a big theme we saw, in fact, the biggest theme that we saw, um, we, we put it this way. The thing that stands out most to us is the spirit moving through remarkable generosity in our body. Like he's just still, like been blowing resources. You know, and let me, let me I want to, this is not normal, I don't think, in a year of pandemic. And let me just give you three examples just to show you what I mean. When general giving is the first category, when, our, when the pandemic hit last year, honestly, I'm not afraid to tell you my first thought is how many people are we going to have to lay off? We started praying. When we look back on our giving last year, our projection in February was that we would barely make budget for our giving. And, and by the way, making budget's good. Okay, it's really good. That was our projection in February before the pandemic. Do you know where we ended at the end of August when our fiscal year ended? Above our budget, substantially. Like our, the, the, our giving line actually went up in March, April. That, I, I don't know why God did that. Maybe just to blow wind in our sails. Encourage us. Maybe he did it just to show off. I, said, I, I learned some lessons in the pandemic. It's just like, Rob, this is not about leadership in, in, in the typical way. It... it I don't want to dismiss that, but it's, this is a spiritual thing. Second example, global Christmas. Holy cow. Uh, I thought it was a really dumb goal to say, hey, let's give the most we've ever given, million dollar goal the year of the pandemic, honestly. <laughs> you know, and I talked about, should we change that and other things? But you know what? We leaned in. Our elder team said, no, we're, we're, we're going to trust God with this and see what happens. What happened was the largest global offering we've ever seen. And, and we've been doing Global Christmas here for a long time. By the way, if you're new to fellowship, Global Christmas is four weeks in December where we just say, let's open up our hands and, and let's give to the world and see what God does. $1.1 million came in. Why would the Spirit do that? I don't know. I have a thought about this one, though. I think it's because our global partners needed more of God's money this year. God's initiative, our response. God at work through human agency. That's the principle. Third example. Here's one that most of you don't know about. If you're at our Brentwood campus right now, you've seen the beautiful playground that's right in front of our learning center that opened a few weeks ago. What you don't know is that playground is only here because of the generosity of a single family who, who, who want to remain anonymous they came to us quite a while back and they said, literally, this is, this is almost their exact words, we sense the Spirit leading us to give a substantial gift to our children's ministry. And because of their generosity led by the Spirit, our kids right now on a gorgeous spring day, you know, that playground was, was finished right in time for this beautiful weather. And that playground needed to be replaced. Guys, that's just three. There are so many more at both campuses, at Brentwood campus and Franklin campus. Here's how I'd say it. There has been so much evidence of God's generosity in our midst. It's made us wonder, what is he up to? And then one more thing happened that I want to tell you about. And this is the news. Earlier this year, another family came to us a couple months back. And uh, they said, we, we've had a, a financial event that has led to some significant income. 
And they told us they wanted to make a special gift to the church and would we be willing to meet with them and talk about that? I haven't been in this job real long, but I've learned that you say yes to that question. (laughs) So we said, yes, we'll be happy to meet with you and talk about that. So we sat down with this couple and we, we we learned a lot of things, but two things really stood out. Number one, we learned that the gift that they wanted to give was half a million dollars. 500,000, which just to give you some context, that's the largest single gift that we've received in our history as a church. Number two, even better than that, honestly, their heart for giving the gift is not just to give a gift, but doing it in a way that would stir the generosity of our body because ultimately generosity is a part of discipleship. And so we began to pray with them about this. And, you know, we tried on a lot of different ideas in our conversations, in our prayer. And I want to tell you where we landed. And, and guys, this is where we believe the Spirit's blowing. We want to use their generous gift as a lead gift to tackle something substantial that we started 15 years ago and now could be the time to finish it. We want to invite everyone who calls Fellowship Bible Church your home church to join together in the next four weeks and let's pay off our mortgage six years early. Now, some of you like, by the way, they're clapping at Brentwood. I don't know about Franklin, but they're clapping at Brentwood. So now you guys have to feel obligated to clap. All right, thank you. Some of you initiated the clap. Some of you are like reluctant joiners. I guess that's the thing to do. Some of y'all are just sitting there and because, you know, we're not a Baptist church, I don't know what to make of that. But that might strike you differently depending on what you believe and, you know, how your philosophy and all these different kinds of things and maybe even how long you've been a fellowship. Let me give you some context for this. At what point in time, at one point in time, our debt was as high as $12 million. You know what it is right now? 1.6. That's before this new gift. 1.6 million dollars. Now, it's due in about six years, as I mentioned. If we could pay it off now, here's what would happen. Number one, we would save a total of $250,000 in interest payments. Number two, we would immediately free up $300,000 from our annual budget. Every year, that money can be reallocated in ways that would unleash our mission beyond the walls of our campuses. Having that amount of money suddenly freed up has inspired us to dream. And guys, here's, here's what we believe. We believe God's given us a mission that must not be contained inside the walls of our buildings. We, we want this to explode outward. So in short, here's how I'd say it. If we're able to pay off our mortgage early, we would be more financially flexible and nimble and healthy to follow the wind of the Spirit wherever He leads us. Now, let me break down some math for you because I know 1.6 is a lot of money, but we're even closer than you know. We'll put it on the screen. Current balance, 1.6 million before the half a million dollar gift. Let's take out that half a million dollar gift. Now we're at 1.1 million. But that's not all. We actually have an additional $180,000 that has been given, designated to the mortgage. And this happened through people over the last months, 
in a year or so. That some of you in this room have given to this because your heart is for this. You didn't even know we were going to be able to get it so soon. That, that, that takes it down to, I think, $920,000. So then our staff started asking, can we pinch some pennies a little bit in our spending, in our budget? And we came up with another $120,000 that we are saving compared to budget. So we budgeted for this, we're spending this. And, and we're gonna be able to track that through through the end of our fiscal year to save $120,000. Here's what that means. Only $800,000 is actually left. $800,000, that's half. That's half of what, of what we've done. All right, you know, Franklin, that was some more clapping, but you, it's your choice, your choice. <laughs> now, this is like light at the end of the tunnel close. You know, this is kind of that moment. And I always thought to myself, man, if we could ever get it under a million, let's just finish the doggone thing off. Let's just finish this off. Here's how we're going to do it. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this. Honestly, like um, we're, the giving opens today, starts today. It's going to go through Sunday, May 9th, four weeks from right now. We're not even going to be talking about this much every single week. The series that we're doing is designed to, to, to collaborate with this. But the mo- biggest thing Lloyd and I are going to be talking about in our teaching is God's generosity. We're going to talk more about God in the theology that we serve a generous God than we are about this ask, this mortgage. Four weeks from today, Sunday, May 9th, we're going to have a celebration service. We're going to join back together as two campuses, and we're going to celebrate wherever we are. We're going to celebrate our generous God. Let me answer two questions for you before I hand it over to Lloyd, and he's going to share more. Question number one, what are we really trying to accomplish here? You know, it, is it just to pay off the mortgage? Guys, that would be Wonderful for what it means for the future of our church. But there's a higher goal. There is something even bigger. The ultimate goal is to follow the breath of the Spirit. Guys, we weren't expecting this. We didn't scheme this. We didn't plan this. In fact, Lloyd and I were going to start a different series this morning. And we started having these conversations. We started looking back where the elders had that day. Did you know that when the elders had that planning day, it was literally like a week or two later that we met with this family who announced this gift. And we're we're just like, what is God doing? So what are we really trying to accomplish? The ultimate goal is to follow the leadership of the Spirit. It's about the transformation of our hearts more than the dollars applied to our mortgage. I believe that with everything in me. Second question. I love this question. What happens if we give more than $800,000? Where will that money go? We prayed about this as an elder team, and we had one of those it seems like the Spirit is speaking moments. And here's where we believe God is leading us. We believe God wants us to give away every dollar that comes in beyond our need to pay off this mortgage. And we want to give it away to our local ministry partners. God's been incredibly generous to us. Wouldn't it be spectacular to be able to pay that generosity forward? So let me give you an example. And, and here's just one project that, that's happening with our local, one of our local ministry partners that, that I would love for us to be involved with. In God's timing, El Shaddai Christian Church, one of our longtime church partners, Spanish-speaking congregation not far from here, not far from Brentwood campus, they're just about to begin a campaign to raise the money to get back into their original building, which they have been displaced from since the 2010 flood. You heard that right. 
That, that's, that's about half the history of our church. They've been displaced from their building. Wow. They now have the opportunity. They need to raise some money to finish the work and get back in the building. And their, Pastor Herman, their, their, their pastor, he believes that with, if, if God moves by this fall, by late this year, they'll be able to get back into their building. Guys, we want to join them in this exciting moment in their history. So if we get more than we need for our mortgage, we're kind of going to say, well, it's not ours to keep. We're going to help them. And then depending on how much extra we have, we may be able to help some of our other local partners as well. There's, there's a bunch of needs we've been talking about. I am serious when I say this is more about the transformation in our hearts than, than the dollars raised for, for our mortgage. And so that's why our teaching series, Generous God, is going to build in us a theology of generosity from Genesis to Revelation. Guys, I've been studying this and Lloyd and I have been talking. It's blowing my mind. I cannot wait to start cranking this out next week with you. Let me pray a short prayer. I think I went a couple minutes over. Sorry, Lloyd. You can, you can um, get, your, get the time back. Let me pray a short prayer and then there'll be a question on the screen for us to reflect on while we make the transition to Lloyd down at Franklin. Father, would you guide us May we sense the movement of your wind. Would you hold us back where you need to hold us back? Would you blow us forward where you want to blow us forward? And may it all be for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good morning, Brentwood. We have so outclapped you all. It's not even funny. I mean, there's fewer of us now. Absolutely. Uh, uh, thank you, Robin, and, and I could not be more excited um, and grateful to join the Spirit in what he's doing and what I'd like to do in these few moments. I'm just wrapping up a, this message, the back end of this. I'm going to do two things. First, I'm going to give you a bit more context for the series, Generous God, why, why this, why now. I'm going to look at it a little bit. Secondly, I'm going to give you a bit of a very brief family history, and I think it's going to remind all of us that the spirit who's moving right now in these ways, you all, is, is the spirit who's always been moving in these ways among us here. Um, let's start with the Generous God series. Rob mentioned this is the first message in a five-part series we're calling Generous God. We hadn't planned on it. This was a turn just that we made three weeks ago, sensing the spirit leading in this way. Um, some of you are, are probably saying, well, of course, they're teaching on generosity. That, that way, people will give more, right? Toward this, with all you know, everybody will be on the same page. May I say, uh, you're half right, uh, but it's not the whole story. And Rob has mentioned this. We do want everyone to participate. When we when we think of this and paying off this mortgage, this is truly it's it's everyone participating in the same way. You all, global Christmas. When we say less under our tree and more for the world. Just less get one less gift, more for the Lord. It's like everybody, including our kids, participate. We want everybody participating in making disciples. We want everyone participating in sharing your faith. I mean, it's everyone participating in being known and knowing others in the context of community. It's, it's a body. It's all inclusive. But, you know, the, our, our motive on the series Rob touched on it. I'm going to go a little further. It, it, it goes deeper. I'm going to invite you into a meeting that we actually had uh, with, with you know, the, the family that gave this, this, this lead gift, as, as we're referring to it. We were getting together, and, and uh, we were going to talk about how do we, how do we invite, and once decided upon, we're going to use this as a lead gift to pay off the mortgage, how do we invite the body in? So there's, there was like five of us in the meeting, and um, 
and as we're beginning the meeting, the, uh, you know, the person who, who made the gift, they, they made the gift, said something, and as soon as he finished speaking, I immediately stood up, I grabbed a marker, and I wrote his statement verbatim on a whiteboard. Because it was one of those moments when, when it happened, my spirit knew that the Holy Spirit just spoke. You, you know when you hear those moments. And this is what he said, and I'll, I'm quoting verbatim. He said, the question we need to answer is how do we glorify God by building up the body through paying off the mortgage? I'm gonna say that again. He said, the question we need to answer, he's talking to the pastoral team. <laughs> the question we need to answer is how do we glorify God by building up the body, Ephesians 4, through paying off the mortgage. It was one of those moments when I thought, well, you know, you be the pastor and I'll follow you because that's not what I was thinking. But I knew it changed the whole thinking of our team. And quite frankly, I pray it will change the whole tenor of these next four weeks and change, as Rob said, very much change our hearts. So we're gonna spend the next four weeks in the theology of generosity. So I'll tell you next week, just so you know, we're gonna unpack generosity, as Rob said, from Genesis to Revelation. We're just gonna go, look at, look at the heart of God through, from beginning to end. Look at his generous heart and what that means. And then we're gonna do two messages. There'll be one in the Old Testament and we'll take one in the New Testament where we look at examples of how people respond to God's generosity. What does it look like as it's played out in these biblical stories? And then Rob said this, we're gonna all be back together. So Brentwood will be all back together for this last, not all the messages, just the, this first one and the last one where we will celebrate um, what God has done. That's the series. L let me give you an, a very abbreviated family history. You're gonna have to indulge me a moment. Uh, I want everyone in the room here, here at Franklin and Brentwood, I want you in, your, in the room there. Just, I want you to consider for a moment where you are. I want you to think about the chair you're in, the building, the room, there's a roof over your head, there's air conditioning running. I want you to think about kids here at Franklin, there at Brentwood, even you at home, you can be thinking about what it's taking to get this tech, the technology and everything it is required to get live streamed to you. Think about all the stuff. It didn't just pop out of nowhere. You know, I, I don't know. I, I used to think churches just happened. I didn't, you know, I just, well, they're there, you know. Well, they're there because there were some people who made a tremendous sacrifice years before so we'd sit here today. I'm telling you, every church, not just ours. We're always standing on shoulders, you see. And I want to remind us of that today and some of the shoulders we stand on. There's so, you know, I, can't, I can't mention them all, but you know, many of you have been involved in, in a lot of this. You know, fellowship began when the spirit blew on a man named Jeff Schulte. He's one of my close friends. Um, we worked together at Family Life. And, and I mean, we're here because the spirit blew and he caught, he, he, he caught the wind of that. And I'm standing here today, you all. I, I'm here today because... He invited me to join him in that 
what the Spirit, he felt the Spirit was doing was to go plant a church. Uh, we were living in Little Rock, Lisa and I and Jeff and Brenda, we were on staff with Family Life, a ministry of Campus Crusade or Crew as it's known now. And when we, we made this decision, I've told you guys this story before for me personally, I just never wanted to be a pastor. I never, I never wanted to work weekends, you know, but <laughs> pastors only work one day a week. That's the only good part about it. But, um, so I never did, but I'm telling you, I felt God, I, I felt the spirit. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I felt the spirit saying, we, you need to join in this. Well, uh, Jeff and I, uh, the leadership at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, you know, kind of sat down with us and they said, you need three things to plan a church. You need leadership, you need money, and you need people. And, and, and Jeff and I would joke about this. We'd say, well, I, I think we have some leadership. We have no money and we have no people. Um, and we would we'd kind of kid, our, kid each other about that. Um, before we ever made public that we were gonna move to the Nashville area, we didn't know, we didn't know where we were gonna be. We just thought we'd be in the Nashville area. Uh, before that was ever made public, um, I was traveling, and I can't remember if I was traveling for work or I was on vacation, but what I do remember is I had a message on my phone machine. Remember those? I'm not talking on my mobile phone. I had no mobile phone, y'all. This is 1996. I had a phone message machine, beep, and then the voice would come over and you'd collect your messages after you've been traveling. And a message from Bonnie Gray. I didn't know Bonnie Gray. I didn't know who she was. Uh, I could tell by her voice that she was an older lady and she simply said, Lloyd, um, my name's Bonnie Gray and I had heard you were planting a church and I wonder if you could come. I'd like to meet with you. That's all I knew. It took me a while to, to get to meet with her, but when I did, I sat with Bonnie and she told me the story. Her husband, Clyde, Bonnie and Clyde, um, had passed away uh, recently. She was a widow. She's in her early 80s. And she said, Lloyd Clyde uh, instructed me that with some of the money that he would leave, he wanted some of that money to go toward a church plant. Y'all, she slid a check to me for $25,000, which I'd never seen that much money in my life. I'd been raising support for 10 years as a missionary. You know, that, that, that I'd never seen anything like it. And the spirit was blowing. I've got some pictures to show you. Uh, we started a Bible study in January of 1997. This is that Bible study. And uh, in that picture, um, it's Charlie and Patty Brooks, Matt and Gigi McMurray, Mark and Mary Pierce, Jeff and, Je Jeff and Brenda Schulte right there in the front who co-founded the church with me. Jay and Laura Louder, Barry and Melissa McCall, Steve and Jen Pierce. And then there's me and Lisa over there on the right-hand side. I was 35 years old, 36, uh, 37 now, so the winter of 97. And we said to this group, I want to leave that up there because this, this was just, the, you know, this is just who was, they, who, who was there. And we said to the group, would you guys be interested in planting a church based on these four values and this mission and this philosophy of ministry and expositional teaching? And uh, would you be interested in inviting people you know to plant this church? That's the, that's the Bible study from which Fellowship Bible Church began. And I remember we told that group and any others who came along, and some of you are included in this. I'm, I'm looking at some of your faces this morning. We said, it's going to cost you everything. But I really trust God's going to give you more than you can imagine. And uh, the spirit blew and those people 
took steps of faith, said, let's go. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Here's a picture of in the fall of 1997. Uh, we're meeting at Franklin High School and we're meeting in the cafeteria at Franklin High School. It was a core, you know, we called it a core group. It wasn't even a church service. And um, was anyone in the room at Franklin High School? I know, this, the, yeah, a lot of the kids weren't, but y'all were. <laughs> You can have those kids yet. And um, yeah, and so we're at Franklin High School and, and, and I know online, you're not gonna see, be able to see this, the pointer, but I, I wanna say this, you know, that's me, okay? And then you see, I just want you to see this. You see that little black thing? Jared, do you remember what that is? That little black thing right beside my head over on that side? Yes, that's the speaker. <laughs> By the way, it was a Jensen car speaker that we took out of Sean's car and stuck on there for our audio system, you know, that, uh, that winter Christmas service. Um, we were there in the cafeteria, you guys remember this, and then we moved into the auditorium, which is Franklin High School had a, had a very, you know, large auditorium, but we had a problem to move into the auditorium. Uh, you know, there was a tremendous need. And so I've got another picture for you. This is gonna take some of us back. This is a picture of J. Mac Brown's truck pulling what we called portable church. So we, you know, there was about, I don't know, it's not more than 35 families at this time. We said, well, if we're going to auditorium, we gotta be able to set up these high school classrooms for a nursery and for a learning center. Do it in the, you know, and so this place called Portable Church Industries had these packages you could buy. They still have them today, y'all. This is 1997. And so we, we that in that trailer is everything you need to do church wherever you are. Now they custom designed it for us. And so we pull up to that school. J-Mac drove his uh, truck for three and a half years, hauled that Franklin High School. We rolled those carts, 15 carts come rolling out of that thing, y'all. This cart says, this goes to the nursery. This cart says, this goes to the worship center. That cart said it goes to first grade. And you just roll those babies down the hallways, empty them out load it back up when we're all done. Well, that cost $70,000. We upgraded on the sound system. Y'all remember this? Because we said, man, we gotta have a decent sound system, you know, after the Jensen speakers for sure. And so we went at the 70,000 mark and those 30 plus families who were calling fellowship home at that time, they gave it. You know, that was not pledged. That had to be given that we could buy it because the spirit was blowing. And if you're ever in Brentwood at the campus, pull over to the side of the barn because there you will find that trailer which is now being used by Fellowship Nashville. Crates and all continuing to be used. Well, we'll fast forward and this is three years later. Some of us may remember this. How many of you were at this service in the barn, raise your hand in here. Yeah, still, still, I've got the whole front row up here and over here we got Ned. Um, so, you know, at the Brentwood campus, you know, the barn, that's where my office is in that barn there. Yeah, um, but we had the back tube. Everybody remember the back tube? I know that if you're at Brentwood, you're seeing this. I'm describing it to those at Franklin because some have never been up there. Well, that thing was a horse pit, horse pit training area. And so it was sand and horse manure. And we covered it with these big tarps. Y'all, and those at Brent, I know there's some of you remember this. We covered it with huge tarps to keep the dust down. And there's about 300 people now, you know, about 150 families plus. And we, were, we had a worship service in that back tube at Brentwood. And then we had a picnic afterwards. And this is, you know, I know you got to tilt your head for the picture. 
But these are, you know, we were lining up to get food. And at that time, we gave everyone a small garden spatula type thing, you know, that, that you'd plant flowers with. I've got a bucket of them here. Everyone got one, and, written a, and, it was, and there was a sticker on it, and it had, wow, on the, on the sticker. Some of you, I think, probably still have them. It had wow on there. And the wow was because we were believing God to do what only he could do. We, this, this 150 US people was make, were making commitments to buy that land and put something on it. Wow was a huge word in the early days. And again, those who've been around and those at Brentwood, I know you remember this because from the core group to that, we always said, let's believe God for what only he can do so that when he does it, we just go, wow. And then someone said to me, you know what wow means? I said, no, it's just wow. And he goes, no, it means without words. And that was the heart of that group. Let's not do what, I mean, we can do that. We could do, no, let's, let's trust God for what only he can do. Then when he does it, we're left without words. And those families gave and left us without words. And think about it, now go, Now fast forward over 15, 17 years, many of you have come, uh, whether at Brentwood or here in Franklin, uh, you have given so generously. Y'all, we've always made our mortgage payment. Do you know that there were several, several years where, where we would be under budget, we'd have giving in surplus, and we would throw hundreds of thousands year by year at the principal because of your generosity. You know, I'm looking at the, us as a Franklin congregation. How did, how did we end up in here? Well, because from the generosity of others, quite frankly, you all. And Brentwood, how do you end up, you know, on that land and, and, and what we have there to do what we believe God's called us to? You understand on the shoulders of us, there were those who came before most of us who are sitting in these rooms or even online right now. It's the same God, the Spirit, who moved a widow to give $25,000 is the same Spirit who moves a small group of 30 families to make sacrifices and give $70,000 for a portable church to be set up. It's the same Spirit who moves a family to give, you know, that, to give $100,000 for a refurbished playground there at the Brentwood campus. It's the same spirit who moves in a community of faith during a global pandemic such that you... That's my cue. That's my cue. <laughs> <laughs> what a hard time for Lloyd to end because I know what he's going to say because I watched the first service, so I'll say it for you. But guys, do you connect the dots? The wind has been blowing. And we believe the wind is blowing. We believe the spirit is moving. You know, I was sitting down there looking at those pictures that Lloyd was showing. I'm not in any of those pictures. Most of you in the room are not in any of those pictures. And I was thinking about that. Like, I'm not in those pictures, but I'm going to be in some pictures that 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, our kids or grandkids or whatever, they'll, they'll, they'll be looking at us. 
And I want to give them some shoulders to stand on. So that's what we want to do. And we're going to do it, quite frankly, in a way that's more about the transformation of our hearts than it is just about hitting this goal. And I'm, I'm going to keep saying that because I believe that with everything in me. If we get to the end of this, let's, let's say we don't hit $800,000. Let's say we, we, you know, whatever we give, we're given to that mortgage. But let's say we don't hit $800,000, but, but our hearts have been unlocked and, and unleashed and we're starting to be more generous with our neighbors and in our families and our own personal lives. And we're not just being generous with our finances. We're being generous with our time. We're being generous with our spirit. We're being generous in our conversations. Guys, that is the, that's the wind of God. That is the wind of God. And that's my prayer for this. So here's what I want to do. I want to lead us in the Lord's table. And uh, so I'm going to invite the band to come on out. So take your elements. And, and this is where Lloyd was going to take us, but I'll do it for Lloyd just to finish out his last few minutes here that he's not able to, to speak with us. Thank you. And I want you to go ahead and open that up. And I'm going to lead us in the Lord's table. And after we do the Lord's table, we're going to sing a couple songs together, which is an opportunity for us to celebrate the work of God, the movement of God. And let's celebrate that together. Guys, there is no better picture of the generosity of God than what you're holding in your hands right now. That God did not withhold even his own son. That for us in the midst of our muck, in the midst of our ungenerosity of heart and spirit, in the midst of our clenched, closed fists, God opened his hands and he gave us Jesus. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, let me just tell you, Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the love of God for you on earth. And he died so that you could have his riches that he left in heaven in order to become poor so that you might become rich. And I want to encourage you by faith this morning to put your trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so for all of us who believe, let us take now the bread and remember the broken body of Jesus as we eat it. And this cup of juice represents the blood of Jesus, which covered our sins. Our sins are made clean because they were washed. They were washed by the sacrifice of Jesus and his blood. So we drink this, remembering the generosity of God expressed through the blood of his son, Jesus. Let's drink. Father, may we follow you. May we follow you, the generous God. May we respond to your initiative with our obedience and our joy and our generosity. And may it be true here at Fellowship Bible Church that this was a group of people that felt the breeze, that felt the wind, that responded, that followed you. And would you crack open our hearts and would you do something significant in us? In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.